Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Again, if you, you, on your, your cell phone text messaging app, if you send to the phone number 33777, a single word, data, I'm going to send you back a series of links. Uh, the bottom one is my daily email, and I hope you'll consider subscribing to it. Uh, you get if you if you're a paid subscriber, you get a lot of extra stuff. Uh, that just the but you can just do put your email in generally without paying. It's only seven bucks to subscribe. But if you just put your email in, um, you get a you get a whole lot of daily content that keeps you the most informed member of your neighborhood. Uh, but the first link you will get if you text data to three three seven 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 is the Tim Keller piece on social justice. His piece is longer than just on critical theory. It's about the different views of social justice, the biblical view, the libertarian view, the utilitarian view. But then at the bottom, he's got a very long piece on critical theory and explains very well what it is and how it's incompatible with the church. Uh, so text data to 33777. You'll be hyper-informed about critical theory. It's a very easy-to-understand resource. Now, I want to, I've got other stuff i got to talk about, but I want to handle phone calls on this. So I'm going to go to, to Lois first uh, and answer her call. Welcome to the program. How are you? Good morning, um, Derek. This, I'm, I'm Lois Paul. I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Good. Um, I, I was just, I just happened to be listening to your uh your program this morning. I had a quick question. You answered one of my questions already. I'll, I'll send data to that number and get that answered. Um, but I want to make sure, let, let me tell you this first. My purpose is, you know, through movement through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. My goal is just to get a sense of understanding and therefore we all move towards peace. Right. That's the goal. Okay. We can't change anybody's heart. Um, but I was, uh, I was a little concerned, and and I would say this, and this is not because this is a conservative radio station. This would be for anybody about anything. I want to make sure I'm not understanding you incorrectly. You had said you had mentioned about you know white people being um, being accused of being the oppressors mm-hmm. uh, here in this country, and I guess you're also talking about the world. And I, I I've you know I've heard the same thing from my white brothers and sisters. Um, and I, I get it. I understand. And I think that they feel hurt a lot of times because, again, on the other side, we're not careful when we say, um, when when we talk about oppression or white versus non-white and that right. sort of thing, that just because you're white doesn't mean you're an oppressor. And just because you're not white doesn't mean you're not oppressed because all races have been guilty and have been victims Right. Somewhere in the world, in our world history, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. No, okay, so I mean, I would say the same thing, Rachel Maddow. On I write to them too. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, guys, if we're going to have peace, we need to be very clear about who and what we're talking about, because otherwise, people are going to get offended. Right, and listen, um, and, and so, just so you know, Los, as well, I, I we can't deny in American history that white people have oppressed black people. We, we you can't do that. Um, I mean, I know there are people who want to do that, but they wear sheets at night. Uh, they don't sleep under them; they wear them, and so we should be we should be right. cautious there. Uh, but okay. we should also understand that that the critical theory framework is is more abstract from that. And and what the critical theory framework says is that at all times, in all cases, you are defined by your skin color. And under critical theory, mm-hmm. 
If you are derived from Western European heritage, you are the most oppressive person on planet Earth, even if you've never oppressed anybody in your life, because you individually don't matter in critical theory. It is your class. Mm -hmm. And the problem Mm -hmm. with critical theory, and Tim Keller really gets to the heart of this, is that in the rubric of critical theory, someone who is black can never ascend in society because if they do, they will be have whiteness attributed to them. And that's okay. the ultimate problem. There was a if you recall, and I played this audio several months ago, there was a teacher in Los Angeles, California, who got pulled over by a Hispanic police officer. And she started yelling at him that just because he was a police officer didn't mean he was white and he needed to understand that he could never be white even as he was doing a white man's job. And that's a critical theory framework that you and I individually are mean nothing. It's our race Mm -hmm. and position in society that means everything. And obviously our race and position in society do mean something, but they don't define us permanently. And they, they're not predominant right. in defining us. And that's the problem with critical theory is that – and again, it, it derives from postmodernism and Marxism, and it seeks to be – divide people by class and race right. and sex. Mm-hmm. And that's really problem because you're, you're you and I'm me, and, and we don't shoulder the sins of everyone else on ourselves. We're all supposed to make the world better, and we're all sinners. We're all born that way, but – the collective sins of humanity, if we attribute them to each other, we're never going to find any sort of racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. That's what Tim Keller gets to. I, I really do encourage you to read the piece because it also is going to make conservatives mad too because it points out that this libertarian, non-biblical, conservative frame of justice isn't really compatible with people who consider themselves a faith as well. It's a, it, it, it kind of He kind of pokes at everybody. Uh, and it, that's mm-hmm. actually why I like it, because I don't believe any of us really have the purest idea of what justice can be, because we all look at everything through the frame of I'm a sinner and I don't want to be held accountable for my own sins, but I'm going to hold you accountable for yours. And we all see the world that way. Exactly. So that, right. that's it. Exactly. So mm-hmm. uh, re- read the Tim Keller piece. I, I, I got to let you go there, but I appreciate taking the time with me and, and thank you for that. And yes, I'm. Don't hear me saying white people aren't oppressors or have never been. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that in critical theory, white people always have been, always will be, and can never not be. And that's the problem with critical theory is it teaches you that your skin color will always permanently place you in a part of society. You can never get out of that place in society And should you try to get out of that place in society, you are embracing the aspects of the oppressor. And again, this gets back to that woman in Los Angeles, uh, the teacher. And she um, is pulled over by a police officer. And she begins to berate the police officer that he is Latino. He will never be white. And he needs to get out of this idea that he can be white. It was a deeply, deeply racist statement from her. It was a profoundly racist thing for her to say. And yet she believed herself to be right and accurate and true. 
and she was insistent that this man, this police officer, by virtue of what he was doing, was in some way trying to oppress her merely, merely by doing his job. Here we go. I found the audio while while I was stalling here, running this out, explaining it to you. Listen to this. This is the woman. Well, let's get this. Do you have, and you, have that you picture? scared me and made me think you were going to murder me. Okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, you're, that's not just a feeling. You're a murderer. Okay. Can you zoom in on that for me, Sure. Jay? Thank you. And I'm perfectly legal, and I'm a teacher. So oh. there. Congratulations. Murderer. You're a murderer. What's your last name? I can't see that there. Well, if here you, you stop, go, murderer. Stop shaking. Zoom in on that for no, me, No, because right? you're scaring me. Oh, You're threatening to kill me and my son. Can you give me okay. the, the well, you, you, I'll please? tell you what, you keep smiling. Yeah, You're on camera. You keep, you're, you're trying to threaten to kill me. I'm I not didn't smiling. Say that. You're the one who's crazy. Hold that still. I can't see that. Uh, is this your car? Yes, it is. Um, you're trying to say I stole my own car because you're jealous? Yeah, is that what I don't that's think about? So. You wait for me right here, okay? You're jealous. All you need to do is get your signature. He's only citing you for using your cell phone while you're driving. That's it. Here you go, man. Sign inside the red box a, right there. For him being a Mexican racist. What is that name? Gas. It's on the citation, man. Here you go, Mexican racist. You're always going to be a Mexican. You'll never be white. You know that, right? You'll never be white. Which is That's what critical theory does to someone's brain. Why is she calling him a murderer? Because he's a police officer. What is a police officer? A member of the white oppressive class. For him to be Mexican and be a police officer is, in her mind, as someone who clearly is indoctrinated into critical theory, he's trying to grab hold of whiteness. That right there is why critical theory is deranged Marxist postmodernism devil speak. Because this woman can't find any grace. And she believes that this guy, by being a police officer, though Mexican, is a race traitor because in critical theory, if you try to do something that grabs hold of the attributes of whiteness, you are selling out your race and the oppressor is never actually going to accept you. Now, you know what the deep, dark irony of all of this is? Think of all the non-white voices on CNN and MSNBC who scream about critical theory. They are people put on television by a group of white people who own these corporations. Are they not trying to grab hold of whiteness themselves under critical theory? They would say they're not. But who put them there? The white people. Why? If the white people are always oppressors and always oppressing, why would you put those people there except to be your court jesters to make you laugh and make you feel better as a white progressive to tell you what you want to hear? And white progressives love critical theory because they find absolution in critical theory because they themselves can then do things to say they're making amends for their class's oppression. They don't have Jesus and they don't repent to God and they don't find absolution in the church. They find it through their own works. A works-based salvation 
of we're going to put Joy Reid on television so the world knows I'm not the racist. It's it's all white people are, but I'm exempted from it now because I've hired Joy Reid and given her a platform. The Comcast CEO, I'm sure, sleeps swell at night knowing he's got Joy Reid on television and he has found absolution from his sins. Still, your cable sucks. <laughs> All right. This isn't actually what I wanted to talk about, but I wanted to take Lois's phone call. I'll take your phone calls as well. 877-973-7425. We still have to talk about the vaccine mandate. It's coming back. And really, just how bad is it? More and more data has come out from the elections. Uh, there's deeper analysis out there now that people know the patterns of voting and voters and who voted and who didn't. The Democrats have real problems on their hands, including with black voters. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson here, The Eric Erickson Show. Your phone calls are welcome. 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425, if you want to call in. Have y'all heard about Rocket Man? No, 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 no not, not Elton John. No, the, um, the Rocket Man who's been flying next to airplanes landing in LAX. It's been a thing. For the past year and a half, pilots flying into LAX have seen a man in a jetpack flying near the airport. And the FAA at first thought that a couple of pilots were seeing things, but passengers on the planes reported it. The pilots reported it. A 747 pilot flying a Cathay Pacific flight from Hong Kong was one of the first people to report it. Delta pilots have reported it. Southwest pilots have reported it. Uh, Asian pilots have reported it. British Airways pilots have reported it. Someone is flying a jetpack, and they can't find him. No one from the ground has seen Jetpack Man. But the pilots and passengers have seen Jetpack Man. Off and on, he would disappear for months on end, and then he would come back. And the FAA has been searching for Jetpack Man. It's kind of cool, actually, because they make them now. You can you can get in these jetpack things and fly around, and your flight lasts maybe 10, 15 minutes. Uh, there have been a number of people who have done them. Uh, if you get online and you search for the, the jetpacks, it, it's one of those things when I was a kid, I wanted a jetpack, and there are like promos and demos, but really you start thinking, my gosh, I'm going to die in one of these things. Last five minutes, and if you haven't landed, you fall out of the sky sort of thing. Uh, but it was always cool, and and so th- there are more and more companies that have put their mind to making them. You're essentially strapping a bomb on your back. If things go awry, you die, but some dude's been flying near airplanes headed into LAX. They have found Jetpack Man. They know who he is now. They will not be arresting Jetpack Man. They have confirmed Jetpack Man is real. They have confirmed the pilots were seen. Jetpack Man. Jetpack Man has not broken any laws. He is Jack Skeleton from the Nightmare Before Christmas. Full body Jack Skeleton balloons accidentally escaping Disneyland, hitting the air currents, and making it up to LAX. <laughs> True story, they have found Jetpack Man, and it is uh, the accidentally escaped Jack Skeleton balloons from Disneyland that catch the air and head up towards LAX from Disneyland. (laughs) 
some genius decided, because you know, on the West Coast, the wind currents go from north to south. So on the East Coast, because of the Pacific and the Atlantic, wind currents on the East Coast tend to go from south to north. And on the West Coast, they go from north to south. And some enterprising person put into weather patterns when the jetpack man sightings happened. And it happened to be in the anomalies where the wind currents in, in Los Angeles were headed from the south up from San Diego. And they started thinking, what from the south could be headed up towards LAX? Disneyland's there, south of the airport. What could be coming out of Disneyland? Full-size Jack Skeleton balloons. <laughs> For a year and a half, they've been saying, I was really wanting to believe, I was really, really, really wanting to believe that uh, some dude was in a jetpack and was buzzing past the aircraft. And I just, I, listen, I just think that would be cool. You don't want to get sucked into a jet engine, you know. As, as my father always says, um, eagles may soar, but weasels never get sucked up into jet engines. Uh, you gotta, you, you got to be careful. <laughs> but nope, it's not Jetpack Man. So, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, Jack Arnold, he's a, a big green egg chef, a uh, super dude, Fantastic chef. At some point, we're going to get together. He's got one of those Mark Zuckerberg board things that you put in the lake, the hoverboard stuff. Um, and I think those are cool, too, except I'd get eaten by an alligator in South Georgia when I ran out of gas. But I think that would be really cool to try. Maybe when I'm up at Lake Burton next time, I need to take one of those and get out on Lake Burton. But I got to find a, I got to buy a house up in North Georgia in any event. When we come back, oh, I, I got I got some data points that have come out of the election. And it actually is worse for Democrats. And I, I'm not saying this is partisan. I need you to understand that. I'm not saying this is a partisan. It's actually really bad for the Democrats. And the reason it's bad for the Democrats is not what you think. Yes, critical theory is a problem. Yes, education is a problem. Yes, the wokes are a problem. But the real problem the Democrats have is none of those things. And you got to come back and listen to me. And I want to explain the problem that the Democrats have because it is a problem that they can't fix next year. It is the unfixable problem for the Democrats that's going to drag them down next year and cause them a nationwide bloodbath, not just Virginia and New Jersey. And by the way, we do have to talk about Edward Durr. Edward Durr has now officially ousted the most powerful man in the New Jersey legislature, and he only spent $135, half of which he spent at Dunkin' Donuts. Bad timing on my part. Took a bite of a Snicker bar and then realized what time it was. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. We'll roll with the punches. Okay. I want to talk to you. And let's do a serious conversation. And I realize this isn't for most of you. But I know I got Democrats who listen. Many of them hate listen. They make sure I know it. My goodness, the hate mail. But we should clue them in on a problem. Now, I know it's easy for Democrats to believe that Republicans are all racist and this was a white lash. That's what they're calling it, a white lash. 
but it really isn't. It's something more than that. And there's data out there now from NPR and Marist that got overshadowed by the election. And there's data from the election night exit polling that shows just how bad a problem the Democrats have headed into next year. This has nothing to do with inflation. It has nothing to do with gas prices, nothing to do with grocery store prices or income or COVID or critical theory or education, parental rights, anything. There's an underlying fundamental problem the Democrats have, and it's a problem they can't fix. It's a problem without a solution or a solution that is too costly for them to do. The problem the Democrats have headed into next year is two words, Joseph Biden. Many Democrats will scoff at me saying that, but it's in the data of Democrats. Two-thirds of the Democratic Party, two-thirds of the Democratic Party, according to NPR and Marist, do not want Joe Biden to run again in 2024. That same two-thirds do not feel that Joe Biden is succeeding or can succeed as president of the United States. That's really brutal. But that highlights the extent of the problem. Because it's not just Joe Biden, y'all. The Democrats can't agree on who should replace him because they don't want Kamala Harris, the vice president, to replace Joe Biden. They, they don't want Kamala Harris to replace Joe Biden. And the problem is they don't have a bench. So let's let's go through the prominent stars of the Democratic bench. There's Barack Obama. He can't do it. Uh, Constitution prohibits it. He served two terms. There's Bill Clinton. He can't do it. Constitution prohibits it. He's too old, too, out of favor. There's Hillary Clinton. She lost to Donald Trump. There's John Kerry. He lost to George W. Bush. Who do they have? Pete Buttigieg, untested mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who took paternity leave and, and no one even noticed, and it turns out he was actually on tour for a hagiographic film about himself. Elizabeth Warren, too far to the left. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, too far to the left. Bernie Sanders, too far to the left. They don't have a bench. Who are the prominent Democratic governors? The unknown Kansas governor who's only there because the Republicans nominated someone who couldn't win? Not going to work. The governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, who made everyone mad about lockdowns? The governor of New Mexico, who just settled a sexual harassment suit, she sexually harassed men in her office, like physically grabbed them in the crotch. That's not going to work. The governor of outgoing governor of Virginia, yeah, blackface isn't going to work either. Oh, what about the governor of New York? Oh, wait, no, CNN tried. Turns out he's a sexual predator. He's not going to work. Who do they have? They don't have anybody except the untried, the untested, and the too progressive. 
Two-thirds of the Democrats don't want Joe Biden, and they can't agree on who else it should be. And whoever that person is does not have a depth of experience. That's one reason the Democrats are going so hard after Ron DeSantis. They're trying to rough him up, to define him before 2024 so that he can't run because they are scared of Ron DeSantis. Why are they scared of Ron DeSantis? Because black men supported Ron DeSantis. Why are they scared of Ron DeSantis? Hispanic voters supported Ron DeSantis. Why are they scared of Ron DeSantis? Because Florida has an economic story to tell. It's a problem for the Democrats. Now let's go back. Let's zoom out a little further from the problem. Now we have the issues-based problems. The Democratic Party has been taken over by the wokes. James Carville is railing on the wokes, but the wokes set the policies for the Democratic Party now. The young, single atheists in charge of the Democratic Party are setting the Democratic Party up for future failures, and they're alienating not just white voters. It doesn't do the Democrats good to scream about racism in the Demo- in the Republican Party when Winsome Sears just got elected as the first black lieutenant governor in Virginia history, who's also the first female lieutenant governor in Virginia history. It doesn't do them to scream about racism when the new attorney general in Virginia is the first Hispanic attorney general in Virginia. It doesn't work for them. The critical theory ideas are failing on the Democratic Party, and they just don't have a whole lot of ideas of how to proceed because the people who should come up with those ideas, the brain trust, are the ones who cause the problem. Dan Balls is uh, the, the chief political correspondent for Washington Post. He's kind of the dean of the Washington political press corps. He's been there forever. Let me just read you some of what he wrote. Democrats awoke Wednesday to a sobering reality. A year after celebrating victory in the 2020 elections, their slender congressional majorities are now even more at risk than they feared, and it is not clear that President Biden nor his party have a workable plan to rebalance a political landscape tilting significantly against them. Republican Glenn Youngkin's victory over Democrat Terry McAuliffe in Virginia's gubernatorial election was not a total surprise. Nervous Democrats could sense it coming for weeks. But the full impact of the loss in a state that Biden won by 10 points 12 months ago, along with a far closer gubernatorial race than anyone expected in New Jersey, which Biden won by 16 points, triggered alarms across the party. Next year, the entire Democratic Party will face the voters, with Republicans more confident than ever that they have the issues, whether education, inflation, or the border— as well as the strategy and a strong tailwind to drive Democrats from power in the House and Senate and thereby short-circuit the final two years of Biden's first term in office. How quickly Democrats absorb Tuesday's results and begin to respond will determine how well they can hold down expected losses in the coming midterms. It is always the case that too much can be read into the results of off-year elections. Maybe it was just the pattern of history in Virginia— which for decades has seen the party that holds the White House lose the governorship. McAuliffe in 2013 was the lone exception. Similarly, New Jersey's Democratic Governor Phil Murphy, who defeated Republican Jack Chiattarelli, uh, yeah, Chiattarelli 
faced a history of incumbent Democrats struggling for second terms. But Democrats would be foolhardy to underestimate what happened Tuesday. To lose a state like Virginia, which has been trending Democrat for decades, and to struggle so much in New Jersey suggests that, unless things change, one of the only the bluest of states or districts will be safe in 2022. You know, if you look at the overperformance of Republicans in New Jersey and you extrapolate that out to next year, that's a 44-seat gain for the Republicans. If you look at the Republican performance in Virginia and you extrapolate that out across the country, that's a 50-seat gain for the Republicans. And none of that, in either case, contemplates redistricting. 44% of Democrats and Democratic-leading independents want someone other than Biden at the top of the ticket in 2024. Two out of three Democrats and Democratic-leading independents don't think Biden can win in 2024. That's pretty damning that Democrats have problems. Now, let me add to it this way. They never saw it coming, y'all. They can't see it coming. It's it's impossible for the Democrats to have seen what was coming. Now, as Dan Ball says, they sensed something. Nervous Democratic political operators, they sensed something in Virginia. You know, so if you're on the campaign trail, and, and most of you will never run a campaign in your lives, I have. You do sense things. You do. When you're on the campaign trail and you've done it enough, you you get a, a sixth sense about you. The crowds, how big are they? What is the energy of the crowds? Even if it's a small crowd, what's the energy? What people are saying out on the street? The number of phone calls your campaign starts getting the number of requests for yard signs in areas where you normally don't get requests for yard signs, the number of people who want a bumper sticker, the money that starts flowing in towards the end, people want to back a winner. The the momentum shifts, and you can really feel it on the campaign trail. You can totally feel it. It doesn't always work out in your advantage, but you can feel the momentum shifts, and both sides do. And so the Democrats could sense it was coming, but they couldn't foresee how big it was going to be. And they couldn't because the Democrats control the American press corps. Not all of it, but the most part of it. So I wrote a piece. I hope you'll you'll take a moment to think about it, to meditate on it. If you text data to 33777, get the last bit of it. Uh, and And let me just read you this. Republicans have a secret weapon against the progressives, the media. Democrats and so much of the mainstream media all occupy the same geographic and intellectual space. Most of the broadcast and print media empires inhabit a geographic space closer to the ocean than the Mississippi River and an intellectual space closer to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez than Susan Collins. And the problem is that the Democrats and the media together say and think and do the same things. They see the world in the same way. They've convinced themselves that critical theory is a racist dog whistle. So the press and the Democrats have convinced each other that their concerns are the only concerns. Their monsters are everybody else's monsters. And anyone who disagrees is one of those monsters. Their narratives write themselves and they're unfalsifiable until the voters show up to vote.
The Democrats couldn't see November coming because they didn't see that parents were mad because none of them are parents. And if they're parents, they send their kids to private schools that didn't have those issues. They can't see that inflation is a problem because they make so much and they don't do their own grocery shopping. And if they do, they're going to Whole Foods and Whole Foods is already expensive. So they're already used to paying six bucks for a gallon of milk. They don't live in the real world that you and I live in. They live in enclaves, urban coastal enclaves, where everyone agrees with everyone and the press affirms their message. And so they can't see that the headwinds have shifted in the Republicans' favor. But they know it, they sense it, they perceive it, because two-thirds of the Democrats now think Joe Biden is a loser who's going to lose in 2024. That tells you they know there's a problem, but they don't have a bench, and they don't have a reference point for what the real problems actually are. They think it's all race, racism, and a white lash when it's so much more, and it's never has been, that. The winds are shifting which means cooler weather is coming, which means I got to recommend to you the Gen 40, uh, the heater from Eden Pure. Uh, it is right now $227. Uh, supplies are very limited. Y'all, I use this thing on the front porch. It packs a wall up. It is very efficient, and it generates enough heat to heat up a 1,000 square feet. It's got micro solid-state heating tech. It's got a very powerful fan, not just for the cooling, but for the heating. It's got positionable airflow. It's got oscillation. It's got everything you want. You need to try it, the Eden Pure Gen 40 heater. What you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com. You click on my name, Eric Erickson, you will see the Gen 40. It's a heater. It's a cooler. What you do is you put it in your shopping cart. You click the Buy Now button, put it in your cart, and then at checkout, there's a discount code box, and the discount code is Eric Heater, E-R-I-C-K, and the word heater. There's no space between them. Eric Heater, it's your discount code, and you will get $20 off the lowest sale price. You will get free shipping, and you will get a very efficient, very powerful heater cooler for your house, for your floor space that efficiently can heat up 1,000 square feet. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code at checkout is Eric Heater. Click on my name. You'll see the deal. Put it in your cart. Eric Heater at checkout. Hi there. <clears throat> it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, we got an hour left, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Edward Durr. Edward Durr was a truck driver in New Jersey. And Edward Durr tried to get a concealed carry permit for his gun. The sheriff in his county said, don't even bother because we got to decide that your reason is appropriate. He couldn't just fill out the form and get it because he passed his background check. No, no, no. The sheriff got to decide and the sheriff said, don't bother. And it made him mad. So Edward Durr, he says he's a numbers guy, and he looked at the numbers, and he saw that his opponent only ever got about 32,000 votes in a district with 150,000. His opponent just so happened to be the most powerful man in the state legislature, And he beat the most powerful man in the New Jersey state legislature 
Steve Sweeney, the president of the state Senate. Edward Durr, everyone's been saying he spent uh, only $150 on his primary campaign. So the um, the news reports are updated that he actually spent about $9,000 total. But to get through the primary, he only spent about 100 uh, what is it, $153, $153. And he's a furniture company truck driver. He was on with Maria Bartiromo on uh, Fox. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I forget who he's on with on, on Fox and said essentially that he doesn't know what he doesn't know, but he's going to find out that um, this is part of being an elected official now in New Jersey. He's going to do what he can. Ed, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get to the Capitol in Trenton? Uh, I really don't know. That's that's the key factor. I don't know what I don't know, so I will learn what I need to know. And I'm going to guarantee you one thing. I will be the voice and people will hear me because if there's one thing people will learn about me, I got a big mouth and I don't <laughs> shut up. When I want to be heard, I'm going to be heard. Edward Durr, Jack the Giant Killer. He literally took out the most powerful man in the New Jersey legislature. No one heard of him. And some people didn't even know if he was real. He was. And they will now know him as state senator, Edward Durr, in New Jersey. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your politics are. That's what makes this country so cool. A truck driver in New Jersey who got mad at the system can beat the most powerful man in the state legislature because he knew how to do math and you know whatever voted for that most powerful man. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com.